I'm going to have a look at uh, four areas in relation to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The first one is about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in scriptures. We are uh, going to have a look at the three aspects of uh, what it is that the Holy Spirit has been working in terms of the scriptures or the Bible. Uh, the first one is revelation. The second one is inspiration. And the third one is illumination. To look at Revelation, we're really looking at a means of unveiling something that has never been revealed before. He comes through the Holy Spirit to us. The source of this revelation is the Holy Spirit. And through the Old Testament, we can see that God communicates through specific people, um, in particular the prophets and the chosen people of God. He communicates to them. And, and uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to ensure that they understand this communication, that there's a revelation coming from God to whoever the messenger would be. And in Ezekiel 2, 2 there, by the way, all the verses that I'm putting up at the moment, when I look through the, the scriptures, every verse that I put up there, there's another three or five verses that goes with it. So I'm just sharing just a few verses, just a sort of give it a bit of a background. In Ezekiel 2.2, there it says that the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And John 16.13, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you about things to come. And then we get to the inspiration part. The inspiration is actually uh, for God's revelation comes uh, through an inspiration to the people that he sent the message to. The inspiration is the recording of God's word and it is supernatural in, in nature. The Holy Spirit provides this in two ways. The recording of God's truth and it is significantly error-free. In Second Timothy, you can see in one of those scriptures, it says that all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. Uh, that is, as I said, provides um, a basis for anyone who wants to know about God to know and understand that this is actually not from the prophets. If we go back and have a look at all of the verses accompanying the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to man, the Holy Spirit actually inspires the prophets. So the prophet gets a revelation. The Holy Spirit inspires them to write these things down, and then they, they will then present it to people, um, particularly in the Old Testament. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You can see that they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. You can also make note in Revelation 10, 4, that not everything that has been revealed is recorded. And so in Revelation 10, 4, when John was about to write things down, the Holy Spirit came and said that, no, you cannot um, you cannot write those things down. So there are things that are, has been revealed to people that are not in the scriptures today, and that's because of a command from the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, it is important to know that the inspiration that comes from 
the Holy Spirit to the prophets or whoever who received the word, they are very specific on what needs to be written down and how it's written down. And so that's why I made a note there to, to say that it's supernatural, but it's also error-free. There is no error in the word of God. So there's a lot of people who go and read the Bible and then they're confused about it. And then they say, well, how can you believe the Bible when there's two different viewpoints here? I think that the, the short answer to that was that we just don't know enough. There's a lot more that we don't know in terms of what the Bible has revealed to us. And so therefore, as long as we still have time, I think we need to continue looking. I think the third thing is important to us because as I was saying about revelation and inspiration, those things are directed to specific people of God and namely the prophets. And people are scared of the prophets because of that. When the prophet comes into the city or a town, people tremble because they know the prophets are coming in and it's usually coming in with bad news. The prophet says, thus says the Lord, you're going to suffer this and this. And that's why people are scared when the prophet comes in, um, especially in the Old Testament. The, the next thing that needs to happen after the inspiration, so the revelation, inspiration, and now illumination, is that God uh, reveals this truth to the prophets. The Holy Spirit caused the prophet to write it down by inspiration and error free. And the Holy Spirit also helps the believers to understand by way of illumination. Uh, in the Old Testament, God reveals his truth, which inspires the prophets. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, we've learned of how the Holy Spirit comes after Jesus went up to heaven. In Ephesians 1.17, the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, the, of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So uh, the spirit, the Holy Spirit's work is to make sure that when the word comes, that we understand what it means. The important part of it is that at the beginning, when God presents his word to the prophets and the prophets write it, write it down, and then it comes to us as believers, the truth that comes with it is undeniable, as the, probably the best word I could think of right now. When it comes in truth into the believers, you, you could not, you will accept it. And in fact, in some cases, you can present the word of God so that you, you cannot dispute it, whether you believe it or not, you cannot dispute the word of God. That's how good it is if the Holy Spirit is behind the illumination that comes to the believers. And so, Again, as, as I said before, we, we had a look at the scripture, the revelation that comes from the, the Holy Spirit, the inspiration that the work of the Holy Spirit to record all of the, the scriptures that we see, the Bible verses and everything. And then the illumination in the end is how it comes to us believers. In the Old Testament, the, the prophets come and present the word to the people. In the New Testament or in this age at the moment, the Holy Spirit is in us and it, the process of revelation, inspiration and illumination um, can all come to us in, in one way, and that is with uh, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Now, the next thing I want to go to is the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We will look at three aspects of the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and that is the creation, uh, the world, and uh, of man. Now, the first one is about creation. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune being of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
So the Holy Spirit is part of that creation that happens. And you can see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 there, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit, in fact, brings order out of chaos into, in the process of creation and uh, brings the adornment to the universe. Um, that's, th that is actually what the uh, scripture says, that the Holy Spirit himself uh, actually adorns the universe with all the nice and great things that we see now in God's creation. So we have the Holy Spirit to thank about God's creation because the Holy Spirit brings things into order, sets it up for us to enjoy. And so he was there at the beginning of the world. He was also there at the creation of man. In Job uh, chapter 33, verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives, gives me life. And Psalm 104, verse 30, you sent forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit has a, a mighty task of creating, but also the preservation of man. The Holy Spirit preserves us because there's a purpose for each and every one of us. So the Holy Spirit, we, we need to thank the Holy Spirit because of what he is doing in our own lives, that he actually, he created us to start with, and then he preserves us uh, for God's purpose. Then we move on to um, the Holy Spirit's work in the world uh, relative to the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit did the work of striving against sin. And this is outlined in the book of Genesis chapter 6. You might remember that in the book of Genesis chapter 6, there was, there was an incident where the, the devil, Satan, sent his demons to the earth, and then he changed them into human man, um, human being, and then they intermarry with the earthly women to produce offsprings that were not nice, to, to say, to say the, the least. Particularly at the time when God pronounced that there is enmity between the woman and the serpent, after the serpent had made Adam and Eve eat the fruit. And so Satan sends his, his angels to try and change that around because God said that there will always be enmity between the woman and the serpent. And that's in the form of the man, Christ Jesus. So at that time, Satan sent the angels down to change them to become forms of men so they can intermarry with women in the world. And the resulting offsprings turn into a disaster which actually culminates into the flood during Noah's time. And so as the, as the world gets worse and the Holy Spirit stops striving, disaster will strike. As we can see in the case of the flood, I believe it's also for us today. The Holy Spirit is actually striving for us today and trying to restrain evil from taking over us. And he's doing a really good job, I might add. The Holy Spirit is forever trying to restrain evil from the things we do. And we also know that when that stops, we know that, you know, that that's not a good thing. Or maybe when it stops, it's time for the Lord to come back. Disaster will come when the spirit stop, stop striving in this world and stop restraining evil. That's what happens. And then we go to the Old Testament where we look at uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in man. A couple of things to note that in those days, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament actually came upon people that the Lord has put aside for a specific purpose. And so the Holy Spirit came in upon people and also 
they came into the, the person, like indwelling or go into the actual human being. And, uh, and, the, and the reason for that is because of a specific purpose that, the, that God has decided to, to take those people to. Uh, I can think of a few examples. For, for one, I guess, when the Holy Spirit connects with special services, it gives divine enablement to do special tasks. It also provides divine spiritual wisdom. In the case of Daniel, for example, who was able to interpret dreams. In the case of David uh, or Joshua, Joshua was able to see things that the others don't see. And also in the case of Saul uh, or Samson, Samson has specific physical strength. Saul is the same as well. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon people or come into people as, uh, as the Lord desires them to do his work. You can see that in the Old Testament. You can also see that in the New Testament, except that it's slightly different. In Judges 3.10 there in that um, Bible verse, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. This is talking about Othniel, um, and he judged Israel. So the Spirit of the Lord came into humans or to man, either inside him or upon him to uh, do the work that the Lord has uh, put aside for man. We are now going to have a look at the the work of the Spirit in the natural world. The natural world also refers to as the, as the unbeliever. These are people who do not believe in God or have no belief in anything to do with God at all. These areas uh, will show us, hopefully, where we used to be. Um, if you are now a Christian, you can understand where people are in those different stages and, and now where we are. Uh, after we became a Christian. So we're looking at three areas of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In that verse that we read today, you can see that in John 16, verse 8, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. Now, an example of the Holy Spirit coming in to enter into judgment with your servant, for that's in Psalm 143, uh, verse 2, but there's something else that I want to talk about that as well. If we go to the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of convicting people of sin, this is the sin of unbelief. It's, it's about sin, but it's the sin of unbelief. And it came, um, came about from Adam, when Adam does not believe that what God is saying to him is actually true, and uh, decided to go off and believe something else. The sin of unbelief failed to attain righteousness to Christ. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is to state the gospel so clearly that the unbeliever will acknowledge it as, as true. So anyone who doesn't believe in God, but they will look at the work of the Holy Spirit and they know there is a God, disregard or uh, regardless of whether they accept it or not, the work of the Holy Spirit is to make sure that people un understand this and it goes beyond acknowledgement as being true. Um, the sin of unbelief, as I said before, because they did not believe in God, as in verse 9 there, uh, convict the world of sin because they did not believe in God. That also described the, the stuff that we talked about in our Bible study as well, where a person born is born into a state of sin. 
And in Psalm, there's uh, other verses that will, will back that up as well. In Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That's something we talked about uh, in our Bible study. Psalm 143, verse 2 there, Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for your, in your sight no one living is righteous. And even in Job 15, verse 14, it says that, What is man that he could be pure? And he who was born of a woman, could he be judged righteous? Now we know the answer to, to that. So the first thing that we talked about here is sin. The second thing that we need to talk about is, is of righteousness. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Because of unbelief, we are locked out of God's kingdom. And let's not fool ourselves. If we were in the Garden of Eden, we would probably have done the same thing as Adam and Eve as well. In fact, I solely believe that we would. But it's, it's realizing that we are no better and Christ came to save us. And in the area of righteousness, Christ proves his righteousness by ascending to the Father. In verse 10 there, because I go to the Father. And because of unbelief, we fail to impute that righteousness into us of what God or who God is. In Genesis 15, 6, as he believed in the Lord and he was, it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is Abraham. He, was, he accounted it to him because he believed in the Lord. Now, as I said before, the sin of unbelief actually fails to allow us to be embedded into Christ and his righteousness over us. With sin, righteousness uh, comes judgment as well. The third area of conviction that the Holy Spirit works on us is judgment. Holy Spirit works on us in sin, works on us in going backwards, righteousness, and then it works on us in judgment, the final judgment. The prince of this world has been judged into everlasting flames, and so will his followers be. Um, I think it's important to note that the ruler of this world has been judged, and, uh, and it's appointed for men to die once, but after that, it's judgment. That's for all of us. For all of the whole world, there are two things that the Bible said that was appointed to us. First, to die. Everybody dies, no matter how hard they try to stay alive. We will all die. And, and as we do, unbelief failed to attain righteousness in Christ for us. Therefore, we share in Satan's final judgment in the lake of fire. Um, and so with that, uh, that takes us to the next part of our uh, sharing this afternoon. So we've, we've gone through the work of the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, in terms of the scripture. We've gone through the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Gone through the work of the Holy Spirit in the natural world of unbelievers uh, in terms of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You can see there that it was the work of the Holy Spirit that actually helped us to become who we are, to become believers. And so... Rather than looking at, oh, this is for the people outside there, it's actually a really good reminder of us and where we are in terms of what God's um, purpose and plan for us. Amen. Uh, the last part that I want to talk about is that of the believer. In terms of the believer, we will talk first about the salvation of the believer. The impartation of eternal life by God where a believer experiences a renewal, recreation, or the figurative speech that we use widely as being born again, or the new birth, 
that's the the meaning of the word regeneration that I use there. So with the believer's salvation, we are actually talking about a regeneration of the person uh, in a spiritual sense. The, that means the impartation of eternal life or giving eternal life. The life that Christ or the life that God gave us, uh, which allowed us to be created as a new person, as a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. The old has passed and the new has become. Last week, we, we listened to a testimony by, um, by Kitty. Uh, and he talks about how he used to crave for cigarettes and he used to go and steal the kid's piggy bank to go and buy cigarettes. But the moment he became a Christian, all the desire just went out the door. Now, I know for a lot of people who have tried to give up smoking and give up certain things, and I myself tried to give up certain things um, that I wasn't successful of. But until you have the Holy Spirit in you, and until the Holy Spirit creates a new person, that old person is, is dead once that happens. The Holy Spirit comes in, creates a new person, and the old is dead. It's like it's dead. You try talking to a dead person, they won't respond to you. Everything that you put aside um, as as the Holy Spirit creates a new life in you as you become born again. Uh, that is how the work of the Holy Spirit comes about in the believer, where he brings about a regeneration, or what we call a being born again. The explanation of a new birth was actually in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And also the spirit regeneration in Romans 6 chapter 4, where it talks about baptism as a means for identifying us to the regeneration that has taken place in our lives. So there's some outward pouring of some very spiritual things that happens with us. The, the, best thing to, the best way to look at this is that the work of the Holy Spirit came about when he actually brought the gospel to us, prompted our hearts to take it in, and then he helps us to regenerate our lives and become a new creation. The second thing about a believer is the growth of a believer, this is where we can see in different areas of our lives, a believer who is spirit-filled is a person who is controlled by the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18 is where I've taken that. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you are being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so... If you are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you must be controlled by something else, and hopefully not drunk in wine. But uh, the Holy Spirit <laughs> is in control when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's why it is a command for every believer that if mm. you want to grow in the Lord, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and it is not only a command, but it is supposed to be passive because all you need to do is to ask God to fill you in with the Holy Spirit and be obedient to what he's telling you. And the third thing is that it's repetitive. It, uh, it should be happening day in, day out as you go about in your own way. It's part of the growth of a believer that you go through the process of uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is mm -hmm. one of the most important ministries of the Holy Spirit that we need to acknowledge the uh, Lord, the Father, God for as the mm. Spirit fills up the believer and, uh, and control the believer. So we are thankful to the Holy Spirit for that. And so I, I feel that to discuss a whole lot of these supernatural stuff, including um, 
the growth of a believer, it's really something that we can only discuss in a spiritual perspective, from a spiritual perspective. We couldn't really discuss it in a, in a natural way. But let me move on and, and talk a little bit more about the supernatural gifts that uh, comes to the believers. There are two categories that I'll be talking about, and I'll finish off with those two. The first one is um, about the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, to the believer, the Holy Spirit comes and provides the believer with gifts and also what we call the fruits of the Spirit. So there are gifts of the Spirit and there are fruits of the Spirit. The first part, first part is the, the gifts. The gifts are supernatural. They are given uh, to help lift us up to the spiritual realm and do things in the spiritual realm so that you understand things about the Spirit. Uh, it might sound like a, a sci-fi movie here, but it's actually true. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also a manifestation of Christ and God in our lives. And it's available to all of the believers. Everyone who is a believer can get a gift of the Holy Spirit, mm. from the Holy Spirit. And mm. so I noted it down there in First Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 7 to 11. You can go and read it yourself. We have read it already. But to just present it to you, the gift of the Holy Spirit is wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, prophecies, miracles, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Now, I looked uh, a little bit about this, and I thought, well, I couldn't really spend too much time on it because we've talked about this before. And so I think I'll just highlight some of the ones that I feel that is important for us uh, moving forward because we've done some things in other services, in other Sundays about it as well. So I just wanted to sort of I guess, emphasize it a little bit more or stressed on it a bit more. You realize, though, that the Bible operates and, and categorizes the gifts into three categories, and that they are in Revelation, which is the gift of wisdom, uh, knowledge, and discernment, and uh, in power, the gift of faith, miracles, and healing, and the vocal or utterance, um, the gift of the tongues, and interpretation of the tongues, and in prophecies. It is important to note that the sovereignty of God is manifested in all of these gifts, uh, which means that it's the total control of, of the church that God wants is manifested out of these gifts. The gifts are given for the common good. And it, uh, as I said before, it supernaturally lifts us up to operate in the supernatural realm, in the spiritual realm. And the third thing to note is that uh, it confirms our testimony with Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 1, 6, where it talks about that even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, in, in particular, it tells us that there's confirmation that comes to the Holy Spirit in the testimony of Christ. And the fourth one is the edification and contributing to the common good, the body of Christ. This is important to the members because you're part of the body of Christ and you've got to be able to contribute to the body of Christ. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the believers are meant to contribute to the work of the church, and the work of the church is the work of the body of Christ. And so we often ask a lot about what we needed to do as Christians, and, and if you are not contributing to the church, I encourage you. you to, mm -hmm. I ask you to, 
Um, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about a denomination here. I'm talking about the church as a body of Christ. And so we need to be able to do that. So I'm going Amen. to talk about just a few gifts because I think it's a bit too much to, to try and cover all of them. Just des describing the wisdom and knowledge, uh, the difference between the two. One is directive and one is informative. Um, one comes with age uh -huh. um, and the other one is, uh, is a lot of facts. So as long as you have the facts, as long as you have the knowledge and everything, wisdom will help you um, to do whatever it is that you need to do with the facts. Yes. Now, if you don't have wisdom, but you have a lot of knowledge, that's when people go to Auckland Uni and come out of a degree without any wisdom at all. Um, and so, uh, so it's important to have uh, the two and to have the gifts of uh, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit works on that in a, in a very profound way. Um, but also the last bit that I was uh, talking about was the discernment of spirits. And because we talk about demons, as I said before, I know, so hopefully, uh, am I still on? You're still on. Because we talk about demons, uh, the week before last, the gift of discernment is a gift where it allows us to recognize, identify, and, uh, and know which spirits are around. This is all about supernatural. We're talking supernatural stuff here. I'm not talking about the stuff that you see. To be able to have the spirit, you'll be able to recognize that there are different kinds of spirit. They're not all bad. Some of them are good and some are bad, but you need to be able to see that. The second thing about it is that so you can see what God sees or you can understand what God is trying to say to the people or to yourself. And so discernment of spirit is, um, is something that we, we all desire to have. And uh, the last thing is that to diagnose problems. Um, there was a couple of uh, verses that uh, came up with that one. And one is where Paul was saying, do not be afraid. After the angel of the Lord comes to Paul and told Paul what to do, then, the, then Paul went and told the others, don't worry, guys, we're not going to sink. We're not going to go down. So, mm -hmm. again, it's the, the gift of uh, the Holy Spirit that will allow us to do that. The work of the Holy Spirit is amazing in that supernatural realm. And then I want to talk about faith, uh, which is in the power category. Uh, the, in, the, in the Greek uh, uh, original, I think they, they describe faith in three different ways. Uh, but uh, we are talking about faith as a gift and also mm. as well as a fruit. Mm. Uh, there's faith to live by, which is an ongoing thing that we should be exercising all the time. Mm. And then we, we talk about uh, the gift of faith as a, as a supernatural gift, uh, like a tiny mustard seed is, is an example of God's own faith that we could tap into to help us in our ministries as well and to accomplish uh, certain purposes. The reason why I want to talk to you about uh, faith and not the others is because of the way faith crosses over to the fruits of the Spirit as well. Mm. Uh, so faith is a gift and also is a fruit. The nine fruits of the Spirit listed there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self and self-control. Uh, no such law is against that. Now, mm -hmm. the one that stick out to me like a sore thumb is long-suffering. It would be a really good study to do on that one as well. But you have all the nice ones, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the goodness. Then all of a sudden, long-suffering, where does that come from? Uh, once we sit down to study that, we can come to realize the work of the Holy Spirit that does with us when it comes to long suffering is amazing and we need to give the glory back to God for that. You will also note that in, in the 
in the list of all the fruits of the Spirit, every one of them is tied to love. Mm. And God intended to give us the fruits to enable us to love one another and to love God, to understand God in a deeper sense, to be able to, to work with the ministry that is given us, especially with our families, especially with our friends. The, the, the Holy Spirit will help us to help bring our families, to love our families and bring our families to an understanding of, uh, of our Lord and uh, his gift of eternal life. And so with each one of them, it's interesting in that verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us that knowledge will vanish, tongues will go, prophecies will be in part or, or go, but the fruit of the Spirit is the other things that will last in eternity. Mm-hmm. And so as, as I listed them out there, the one thing that we know about the fruits of the Spirit is that it's permanent. Except that Christians, a lot of Christians actually desire more of the gifts than of the fruits. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. reason why they do that is because you have to cultivate fruits. It's like a tree that you plant. You have to mm-hmm. give it water, to weed it, to prune it. There's work that needs to be done in order to achieve the fruits that was given to us. And that's one of the reasons why Christians shy away from the fruits of God or the fruits mm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And they tend to go to faith where you can perform miracles and do healings and speak in different tongues. I, I feel that we need to do a lot more about the Amen. work of the Holy Spirit with mm. the fruits given to us so mm. that we can be able to uh, cultivate a lot more of what we can do. Remember, though, that the mm. fruits are permanent and the gifts are only for a certain period of time. Mm. Now, faith as a fruit. Now, I remember you talking a lot about this, that faith goes with faithfulness. And this is where the fruit and the gift of the Spirit comes into a crossover with each other. So the fruit uh, serves as the faithfulness, and the gift serves as a, as a faith uh, mm. that goes together with faithfulness. Mm. And as I said before, it must be cultivated. Now, I've decided to illustrate it in this way. In the believer, the work of the Holy Spirit in presenting gifts and fruits to us is like a Christmas tree and a fruit tree. The Christmas tree have no bearing on the gifts on the tree. You know, the tree is there, but the tree did not give the presence that was underneath the Christmas tree. As compared to the fruit tree, it is relative to the way we cultivate the tree. So depending on how we cultivate the tree, that's the kind of fruit we're going to get out of the tree. Mm-hmm. It's different with Christmas tree. You come with your present on Christmas morning, you put it down, and there you go. Your tree now has some fruits on it, but it's not the kind that will do us much good, except for on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. It is also given for a specific purpose, like it comes and it's gone. It comes in the form of, here's my present for you for, uh, for, for this Christmas. Next year, I'll bring another one for you, hopefully and the year after as well. The fruits of, uh, from, from the tree is actually the fruits that will continue to be with the person, especially in a worship mode with God. And so there's the, the difference between the gifts and the fruits. The gifts are more like the Christmas tree, and the fruits are more like the fruit tree. The gifts are temporary, and the fruit is eternal. So that's pretty much uh, the end of what I wanted to share with you. Uh, We talked about the scriptures in Revelation, Inspiration and Illumination, Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit ministered to us when we were unsaved as unbelievers, 
And now as believers, he gave us the assurance of salvation and at the same time gave us gifts and fruits to help us grow in this. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, is by far the most important work of God in the life of believer. And so it's important to note that we are not alone in this world. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And since the beginning of time, I mean, who else? Um, if we're ever confused, if we're ever uncertain, if we don't even know what happens at the beginning of the world, what well, the Holy Spirit does. And so he is here to help us understand all that. It gives us the illumination to understand all the things that is, is given to us from the Bible. God lifts this throne to come down and save you and me and give you that illumination of his works so that we can do amazing things as we are on this world. And so I want to leave you with this final verse in obedience to the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 11, it says, But if the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Amen. he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. As I said before, there's just so much to, to do in the Holy Spirit. It's not, we don't do justice by just spending uh, a few minutes just talking about it. But uh, we try to give you, I try to give you as much as I could uh, in the span of time that we have. And hopefully we can expand on it in our own times and learn a little bit more. I pray that the Spirit of God will help you and uh, will give you Amen. enlightenment to learn more and uh, to use more of the gift and the, the fruits of the Spirit to help us in our own ways. Let's pray. Mm. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Yes, I thank you, Lord, that you gave us your Holy Spirit, yes, first of all, to save us from mm. our sins, mm. to help us, Lord, to mm. understand you, and to give us the gifts mm. to help us to serve you better. Mm. And I want to say thank you very much for your Holy Spirit. Mm. I want to say, Lord, I appreciate your Holy Spirit. Mm. I want to say, Lord, I really admire your Holy Spirit and the mm. work that he's doing in our lives as believers. Mm. Father, I pray that if there's anything that any of us has done to mm. hurt the Holy Spirit or, uh, Lord, against your will against the will of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you forgive us, Lord, mm. and uh, redeem us back to you, Lord, and help us mm. to be able to serve you better in the way that you have intended us to be. Mm. Thank you again for your Holy Spirit. Thank you yes, for Lord. your son Jesus who died on the cross. Mm. And thank you for all of us here. I pray for each and every person here, Lord. Yes, every please. person here, a member from every family. I mm. commit them to you, Father God, and I mm. pray that you enlighten them with your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, please give them the mm. gift of your eternal life. Allow yes, them Lord. to see your goodness and your mercy, your love for each one of us, Amen. that yes. we may all uh, be saved and come to your kingdom, Lord, one day. Yes, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done thank for you. us. And I bring all this to you in the name of our wonderful, wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.